In a world where it seems like there's so much going wrong, I want you to see the people who are spending their lives doing and seeing the good. Welcome to the Doing Good Podcast, where we discuss the stories of people who are changing the world in their own way. I'm your host, Carmen Herbert. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Good. And I am so glad to welcome Alicia Coakley to our podcast this morning. So as a mom of three, wife, and self-proclaimed career chameleon, Alicia typically has her hands full with projects. When she's not forcing love on her kids or spending too much money, hello, me too, she can be found working on working her makeup business, writing her book, volunteering in her community, or learning a new skill. She has a passion for sharing the gospel, helping others, and finding the beauty in all things. Currently, she's a co-host for the podcast Latter-day Lights, a grief facilitator, and award missionary over social media efforts. Welcome to the podcast, Alicia. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I am too. And and we were talking in the pre... We I usually do like a short pre-interview with my guests, and I always like pinch myself for not... Or kick myself, I guess, is the better word. Not pinch myself as like, oh, I wish that, I can't believe this is happening. I kick myself like, dang it, what am I doing for not recording it? Because I often find that those little nuggets that people share with me are just gold. So I basically have asked you to retell (laughs) your whole story that you told me in the the pre-interview. Just because you have such a unique life. And I love doing this podcast because... I get to interview wonderful, amazing people, and I think everyone is wonderful and amazing, and everyone has a story to tell. But there's, it's just so interesting to be like, just let me, let me hear a snippet of your life and what you've been through and the trials and things that you have experienced. And I fully believe that when we share them with others, we can help people with anything that they are dealing with. And so I love that I said, is there anything off limits? You're like, no, I'm an open book. And that's how I am. <laughs> and I love that so much. Have you always been that way? Have you always been like, oh, I just love talking and sharing and writing and and telling people everything about me. Have you always been that way? No, I was actually so shy as a kid that my dad for fun, and then this sounds like awful, right? But it was, you know, a different time, right? Like I'm almost 40. So different time, guys. <laughs> my, my, my dad for fun, if he had friends over or something, he would be like, hey, guys, watch this. And he would call me in and he would call me in with this tone, Alicia Marie, you know, as if he were mad at me. Right. And I would oh, no. come in. He wouldn't even say anything. He would just look at me and I would start crying and I would go out of the room like I was so shy. I was so mean. But he thought it was hilarious at the time. And it's funny telling the story now, you know, but yeah, yeah I got the trauma of it all. <laughs> Oh I my gosh. Super quiet, super shy. You know, I would just shake if I had to talk to anyone about anything who wasn't a really close friend or family member. It was, I don't even know when or why it changed, but something changed at some point. And now everyone's like, oh, Alicia, please just don't share as much. <laughs> my husband's always like, close your book. Yes. <laughs> just a little, just a little. Even yeah. just some chapters, you know. Yeah. Still, they're like, it. it's, it's fine if you want to read out of it, but you're like tearing pages out and throwing them at people, you know? <laughs> that is so, so me. Oh, we are so sisters. And yeah. I don't, honestly, I don't know how else to be. I, I'm right. kind of opposite. I always, not necessarily as outgoing, although like, yes, I'm kind of like in 
an extroverted introvert. And so like in certain situations, like, yes, you get me in a small group of people, I will tell you my life story, but giant groups, like parties where you're like mixing and mingling, those are like swear words to me. I hate the mix and mingle. I could do it, but I'm like, you don't really, do you really want to know how I'm doing? Let me tell you how I'm doing. And then people are like, no, we didn't want to know all that. We don't. Right. We just are like right. being polite. And so I've learned that it's okay to ha like have lighter conversations and deep mm -hmm. dives. And every conversation doesn't have to be a deep dive, but that's kind of how I am. And I'm like, I exactly. don't really know how else to be. So I, I have had to learn to not word vomit on so many people all the time <laughs> because I, that I am. But talking with you now, I would never guess that you were ever shy or you would cry when someone would ask you a question because you are so easy yeah. to talk to. And and, oh, and you have your you. own podcast, which you talk all the time. Like that's what you do now. I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny because my co-host, Scott Branley, he is so much more quieter. I blame the Canadian in him, right? Like he was, he's originally from Canada. And so Me too. I, I'm like, you? Oh, are you? Yes. 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 Cool. <laughs> so yeah, he just, he's, he's much more quiet and reserved, but when he says something, it's like, you want to listen because you know it's yes. good. And me, I just blah, blah, blah. Yes. <laughs> All the time. Yep. I love that. Okay. So you were pretty shy growing up. What were some of the mm -hmm. things that you loved to do? What were some of the things that interests you, that interested you as a child? I loved anything girly. I was always putting on the really fake glittery plastic makeup that you know didn't ever show up and yes the and I was wearing stuff. oh yes yeah uh -huh. I was I would wear the dresses and the plastic clicky high heel Barbie shoes yes although and so fun oh Barbies was like my big thing I loved playing Barbies and I loved reading books I was a huge R.L. Stein, Christopher Pike and Babysitter's Club oh yeah Sweet Valley High those were like my four main classics things. <laughs> yes. I I remember one summer I read over 300 books. And yeah, like my family they would go fishing or something and I hate I hate seafood and fish and all those things, you know. And I would sit on the dock and I would read a book while they fished and then they would wow. get mad at me. <laughs> Come That's join us. Read. I'm like I'm here, okay? <laughs> like I'm happy. That's the thing is I love reading too and I will always have a book on the beach and my husband's like come play frisbee come body serve, come do something. I'm like, I'm actually so happy sitting with my right. I actually right. love that. That is so awesome. So you loved book reading, which mm -hmm. has maybe facilitated your love of writing and, and, and yes. your way with words and talking now. And you loved doing makeup. So that is actually mm -hmm. something that has carried over now into adulthood, playing with makeup, right? Yes. Yes, it has. It's, it's fun because I, I've always loved makeup, but I've always had a huge self-esteem problem. Huge. Like, like I said, when I was younger, I didn't even really like people looking at me. You know what I mean? I would just be very, very like, oh my gosh. And so as I got older, I didn't want to do makeup in a way that would like show me off. It was almost like, let's hide what we can. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, it wasn't until I'll just do a real quick little synopsis. I was diagnosed with leukemia a few years. Well, gosh, we're looking at nine years ago at this point. So, and I, yeah, so I was put on this low dose form of chemo. The, the form of leukemia I, I have, I still technically have it because it's not curable. It's just like livable, like manageable. That's the word, right? And so it's called chronic myeloid leukemia. And it required that I be on a low dose of chemo every day forever. Oh, and yeah, so a couple years after getting this diagnosis and being on chemo, 
of course, you get the side effects, right? Like you get the fatigue and the nausea and the brain fog, but you also start like your hair starts thinning and your eyelashes start breaking. And I remember being so frustrated because I was already trying to hide, you know, like the things I was insecure about. And a friend of mine told me about this mascara. And I was like, I'm not ever going to pay that much money for makeup because I'm like a dollar store makeup person. Sure. And and I tried this mascara and it was exactly what I needed to make me feel like a normal woman. You know what I mean? I know it sounds crazy. No. But from then on, it's actually, you know, it's this great company. They're members of the church too, the ones that started the company. And they have this whole mission. The reason why they sell makeup is to provide a retreat for women who were sexually abused as children. And that's one of the categories that I I fall into as well. And so after a few years of getting into this makeup and learning how to create beauty and how to teach women, like, you don't have to hide behind it. You can, like, let it magnify the beauty that's already there. Yeah. I actually went to one of these retreats, and it was one of the most healing retreats that I've ever had. So, you know, you look at, at someone and you think makeup, oh, okay, you know, like, it's it's fun, or some people think it's vain or too yeah. much or something. That, but but I found this confidence and these beautiful relationships being able to like help other women feel confident about themselves. And I think women especially, we forget that we're daughters of, of a God, which makes us a princess. And princesses are allowed to be beautiful and to be loud and to be, you know, like out there. It's it's really okay. <laughs> so yeah, mean and yeah, hurt. Kind of translated, but in a in a good way. You know, it's not just about the fun, it's more about the the confidence and you know the healing and and the relationships that I get to build with others so I enjoy it oh (laughs) my goodness so many things Alicia I can't believe that first of all with your form of leukemia that you have are you still on chemotherapy right now so I'm currently in remission. Yay. I went in for remission a couple years ago. So I was on it for seven years. Oh, and I was able to get off of the medication a few years ago, surprisingly, because I had a different health issue that needed attention and they needed to see what was going on to see if my chemo was creating this, this issue. And so they're like, well, let's stop it for a little bit. Let's get it out of your system and let's see what happens. And my numbers just stayed down. They just stayed undetectable, which is amazing. So. Yeah, we're kind of in this trial period. Like, let's let's see if they can just stay dormant, you know. And if they can, then I won't have to go back on it. So well, that's what we're hoping for. That is would be a huge miracle, and I mm-hmm. and I can't imagine getting that diagnosis. Like, you have leukemia, and it might be something you will always have for the rest of your life. Yeah. And 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 I, man, just like your strength of okay, well, and then you found something that that helped you, that gave you confidence, mm-hmm. and I completely agree that. It, makeup is funny to me. It's it's funny that it's even controversial. Like I don't have any daughters. I have four boys. But and <laughs> as and as we speak, I have. I'm literally wearing not one stitch of makeup. I, <laughs> but I I sing. I perform on stage, and I love putting on stage makeup. And I love performing. Mm-hmm. I I don't wear stage makeup every day for sure. But when I do, it's like oh, right. it's fun. And I totally agree with the mantra. Like you look good you feel good and you don't have to go all out and spend thousands of dollars on things and be crazy because right. you can waste time trying to chase perfection, but exactly. just putting enough on to make you feel like I feel put together. I feel like it's Lisa Wilson. 
Zach Wilson's mom. She has her Instagram is life according to Lisa. And she's so funny and she posts funny things and she calls it her armor. She's like, you put on your lipstick for her. She said, every girl has their armor. It's mascara, it's lipstick, it's it's some blush, it's curling your hair, whatever it is to make you feel good about yourself. And it's not vain and it's not... Mm -hmm. It, it, it's not something that, you know, you're just, you're trying to look better than anyone else or whatever. It's just exactly. confidence. And I completely agree and can see why that little boost of confidence helped you during that really difficult time and how mm-hmm. cool that. And so tell us the company that you, that you sell for now. With makeup. So it's, it's called Unique with Y-O-U-N-I-Q-U-E. It's called Unique. Yep. If you ever get a chance to get Derek or Melanie on on your show, they are the epitome of doing good. Oh they, my goodness. Like I, I said, they, they had this whole purpose to create a place where women could heal. And they started selling other things to try to create that that reality. And yeah. they landed on makeup after a few fun failed attempts, right? And so now they, they do have two free retreats. They're totally free. All you have to pay is you know, your airfare or however you get there, but they pay for the whole thing and they have this week long event of healing and the, just the, just the love that you hear from them. It's a, it's amazing. So the makeup is great. I love the makeup. Don't get me wrong. It's fantastic, you know, but the purpose behind it is more important to me, you know? Well, and, and how neat that you can be so supportive of that and, and probably be a mentor to other people that are, go on these retreats or that are struggling with things. You mentioned that their focus is on women that have been abused. And and I'm I'm so sorry to hear that that was ever a part of your life. How have you been able to, how have you been able to heal? What advice would you give to women who are possibly listening, who have had that in their past that I know there are some people that, that it have been able to kind of talk through it, move on. And then there's others that you hide it away and you push it down. And then not until they become adults, do they kind of open that back up and say, I need to address this. This is still festering and, and, and still something that I haven't been able to, how do you even go about it? And not even like completely moving past it because it's probably something that will always affect you and be part of you, but be able to move on and live a full, happy life despite something like that that's happened to you. You know, it's funny because the first thing that I would say is if you haven't addressed it and you haven't talked to, and not just talk, right? Like there's a lot of other things that need to be done too. Yeah. Um, it will affect your life whether you think, whether you think it is or not, right? Whether you're like, well, I don't even think about it anymore. I have a job. I have a family. I have this. I have that. There are th- there's little things, things that I noticed in myself. Like when my kids would go to bed, I would get up three and four and five times in the night just to make sure that they were in their rooms by themselves or to make sure that windows or doors were locked, you know, mm-hmm. like all these little things. Yeah. If my husband woke me up in a certain way in the morning, I would have this like anxiety well up and then I would get mad at him instantly. You know, it was like, all these little things, I, I would constantly, if I couldn't touch my children in the grocery store, I was almost panicking, you know, to the point where like, like my kids were teenagers and I didn't even want my teenager going to the bathroom by themselves, you know? So then yeah. all these things, I thought I was just being a, a protective mom, yeah. but really it was, it was so much deeper than that. And so yeah. I would, I would highly suggest that, you know, therapy is a great thing. And I love that a couple conferences ago, they spoke a little bit about the need for for mental health professionals. Yep. And how, you know, the atonement is so strong and the gospel is there for a reason. But Heavenly Father has given us a million different tools to help us to heal. And in order for us to become more like our Heavenly Father, 
we need to understand our brains and our bodies and we need to yeah. understand how they were made, why they function the way that they function and what to do in order to get them operating at, at the best level that they can operate at. Um, yeah. And so some free resources, I would say, of course, go to the church's website and and they have like a whole list of things for all sorts of trauma and addictions and things like that. We yep. have, I current, I, I didn't put it in my bio, but I recently was called to be over the stake self-reliance programs. Oh. There, there's so much good there, guys. Like I'm pretty sure that every ward has access to the stake self-reliance programs, no matter where you're at. Utilize them. If you want to start with anything, start with this, the emotional resilience class. You know, it's only 10 weeks. It's yep. It's a great class. I myself am taking it right now, even though, you know, like I'm over the the all of it. You know, like I decided to be a student in that class, and it's it's just amazing the things you know the strength that you have from educating yourself on your brain and your body. For sure. And as you were talking, I'm trying to look up the talk. I, I think it was Elder Holland that I mean, yeah. So many of them have talked about. It. Um, being, you know, emotionally resilient and, and about mm -hmm. it's okay if, you know, you've had terrible things happen in your past. Like it is not your fault. And it's okay if you've struggled with mental illness because of any traumatic thing have happened or if you were born with it, depression, anxiety. Right. I love that they're being so open about it and, and to help everyone feel like it, we're all experiencing trials in this life and and there's hope and and we don't condone abuse in any way shape or form and exactly. and it's okay and they're being more open and offering um more resources to people that are like this is more than just I'm going to go talk to my bishop about something I need like professional help yeah. and I love that they are offering that now and and so there's several talks but but Elder Holland gave an, a, a wonderful one about abuse and I was trying to find what what it was called I'm gonna have to it was several conferences ago but just it, I, I I just think that women like you are just amazing and I I I really truly believe that the the savior and the atonement can heal anything but that also it, our God is a God of justice. And I am like, no matter what happens in this life, there will be a time to, for that justice to take place. And, mm -hmm. and, and I was talking with my friend the other day about forgiveness and we were talking about, okay, but what about victims that have been abused? Like, how would you even, how would you even go about doing that? And she said, I've kind of looked at it as instead of, it's okay. It's more like, oh, I'm going to give this to Heavenly Father. And and then the scripture that says, I'll forgive whom I will forgive, but of you it is required. And she said, I used to look at that as, that is so not fair. Like, you have to give them no matter what. And then, and then you know, I'll decide. And she said, no. The, I look at it now as he might not forgive. So there, there might be some sins that he'll, he'll be like, that's not forgivable. Sorry, you're missing out on these blessings. And for her, she said, I don't know, but that gave me such comfort knowing that if I forgive someone that has wronged me, it's, I'm just giving it to God. I'm letting him take it because I can't. It's more, you take the burden and then he'll say, and then I will choose what is best and that you can trust that he will know what to do with that burden that you give him. And he's like, I, there may be some things that are like, this is this is not forgivable. And she said, for me, that was more like, oh, good. It's not like 
someone will get away with doing something so horrible to me. Does that make sense? Yeah. It does. And, you know, honestly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a little bit of an advocate here, like a devil's advocate, I guess, but hopefully it's not devil, hopefully it's Christ's advocate. But, you know, that was kind of the same mentality that I had for a long time. And in going through the retreat that I went through, one of the things that happened was one of the other women that were there during one of our group sessions, she was talking about her own abuse and how it had happened. And then she had this moment where she broke down and she confessed to us that as she got a little older, she started to abuse her little brother. And in that moment, I had just this huge, overwhelming amount of love for her. Oh, Ooh. yes, she was a victim, but she was also an abuser at one yeah. point. And she did a lot of that. times they are. Yes. It's a cycle. Yes. I, and I kind of, I, it, it it impacted me so much. I remember, I remember going back to my room and I just sat in prayer for a very, very long time that night, you know, because I didn't know how I felt about it. You know, I'm like here, like I build this relationship with this girl, you know, like I empathize with her. Like I, I'm like, I, she was just like me, but then all of a sudden she's just like the others. Yeah. And what do I do with that? And, and I was kind of given this moment to see an abuser through the eyes of Heavenly Father. Oh, and to God. know that even the ones who did the worst of the worst, they most likely were not inherently evil. They were inherently hurt. Oh, Something somewhere so in their life. And most likely it happened when they were children and they yeah. had no control out of, of it. Most likely they were a victim of something. Now, it may not have been abuse. Maybe it was yeah. neglect or maybe it was not having any type of love or stability or maybe it was just the influences of Satan. Maybe they just didn't understand what was being put into their into their thoughts and how they were being persuaded and how society or their family or whatever it was, was kind of guiding them down this dark path. And And in that moment, I kind of was like, okay, I get it, Heavenly Father. So when when the scriptures talk about praying for those who despitefully use you, right? Like that scripture was always so. And so my prayers would always be like, oh, I'm going to pray that they're going to go stub their toe and step on a Lego. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, I'll pray for you. Okay. I'm going to pray that all the damnation falls on you. Yes. But I started realizing, you know what? I, I can change my prayers. I don't have to pray necessarily for like these great blessings and for forgiveness and all that, but I can pray that they will find the healing they need so they no longer create hurt in other people. And that's wow. how I can pray for my abusers. And that's how I can pray for the people who do me wrong in life is I can pray that whatever they're hurting from, that they can use the atonement of Christ. They can use the tools that have been given to us on this earth, even outside of the gospel, because there's so many people who maybe not won't even have an opportunity to hear the gospel in this life, right? Yeah. So whatever other tools are out there, I I get I get that opportunity to pray for them that they'll be able to find the healing they need so they no longer hurt others. Oh, that is so Christ-like of you, Alicia. And I'm glad that you brought that up. That is a really good point that people that that have done horrible things a lot of times, yes, you're right. They aren't inherently evil. They are inherently hurt. And and I agree. I, I hurt people hurt people. It's it, do. it's a fact. And and that's what's so wonderful about about the atonement about Jesus Christ is only he does know their hearts. He only he knows and 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 most likely everyone that's done really awful things 
learned it from somewhere, from some traumatic thing that they've experienced or saw mm-hmm. or had happen or something. So right. he is going to be able to say, okay, it, it's not justified at all. It's never okay. And right. it's, it's never all right. But but we'll be able to judge them according to to their life and what they've experienced and their hearts. And, and that's mm-hmm. why really all we can do is oh, give it give it to him because it's too hard to try and figure it out on our own and what's right and what's wrong. And, 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 and some people do it knowingly and some people don't understand. And, and either Mm -hmm. way you're, you're still, they're still hurting people. And so, and, and we still have to learn to forgive and, and to, and, and not that it's okay because it's never, ever okay, but exactly that we can, okay, turn it over to Christ and let him fix that. You said something interesting. You said, you talked about people that are, what did you say, joining the gospel or that, that don't necessarily have the gospel in their lives. And you actually married someone that was not a member of the Church of I Jesus did. for Latter-day Saints. And you were. So tell me a little bit about how you met your husband and your relationship, because you were telling me again in the pre-interview about uh, the craziest relationship and story and and how yeah. you came to be and the ups and downs of your marriage. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is so fascinating to me. So tell me about how you met your husband and, and getting married and then what has happened since then. Okay. <laughs> like, like going into all the details. No, you're good. You're good. So yeah, I actually, we met online. We met on Yahoo Personals, believe it or not. And it was funny because it was back before like you could do a lot of sleuthing. You know what I mean? Like now I feel like everybody's on social media so you can find out a lot about a person. Oh yeah. Back then we just had this little IM messenger that would pop up and sometimes you'd get lucky and they'd have a profile picture and sometimes they didn't. Oh, and could be anyone. <laughs> like who? You know? Like yeah, like you really—it's like a true blind date type of thing. <gasps> so, so we met and we talked a little bit online, you know, here and there, and, and like we had good conversations. But I was like, mm, I'm, I don't know if I can like do this whole like meeting thing. Plus, he's yeah. not even like a member of the church. Yeah, and and it was so funny because I remember I I told him I said I you know I have a YSA conference that I'm going to this weekend. And, you know, so I'm not going to be able to to chat until probably like Sunday night or something. And he's like, oh, okay, have fun. So I go to this YSA conference and I'm, I've always been like the bargainer with Heavenly Father, right? Like I'm always like, okay, Heavenly Father, I have a deal for you. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so I, I made this deal, like yeah. not that Heavenly Father necessarily like was like, sure, Alicia, but. Um, how many of us have made, I, like, I'm sure he's just like, okay, here we go again. Like, I know. It's funny that you think you're actually in control. But. Yeah, I know. So I, I was like, okay, like, I'm going to go to the YSA conference. And if I meet someone while I'm there and I have a good time or, you know, whatever, like, if there's someone who's kind of interesting, then I'm just going to drop this guy and I'm just not going to talk to him. You know, like, he's really nice and everything, but like, he's not a member of the church. And so it was yeah. like this, you know, conflict for me, right? Yeah. And so I go to the conference and I kid you not, like I've, okay, (laughs) this is where I start ripping out the pages and like throwing too much at at people, right? I was known as the Nickmo queen back in the singles, the Uh non-committal makeout, right? Yep. I loved kissing boys. Keep clarifying that. Yes. Yep. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And it was so fun. I loved being single, but I also wanted to be married and have babies. And so it was like this this weird dichotomy, right? Yeah. And and I was a huge flirt. And I would flirt with everybody. I would flirt with all my guy friends. I would flirt with all my girlfriends. And then I would flirt with all the strangers around me. I loved it. It was so much fun. At that conference, I kid you not, not even the friends that I went with 
danced with me or hardly paid any attention to me. I was like, it was the most lonely, weirdest experience ever. It was almost like Heavenly Father was like, okay, let me show you. (laughs) That's so... There's no one here for you, so I'm going to make Literally. I'm not even going to have your friends acknowledge you, your girlfriends acknowledge you, let alone the guys, you know? Yeah, (laughs) right. It was like the most sad. Like, I don't even remember anything about the conference except for that I felt lonely. Like, that's how, like, crazy it was, right? So I come home, and I have this sweet message waiting from my, my, you know, future husband at the time, right? And he was just asking me about my, my... weekend and he hoped that I got home safe and you know he's sure that I'm tired and just to get back to him whenever I had time and I was like oh my goodness so long story short we meet we get engaged two months after our first date we got married four months after that a month later we got pregnant for our first baby oh and at that point in time we had made this agreement that we would just go to church together you know like he was he was Baptist, but he kind of went to these non-denominational churches, you know, the okay. the really fun ones with the loud music, oh, and yeah. drums, yeah. lights and all that. And and I always felt like I was going to a party on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. But he was like, oh, your church music is so boring, which I can understand coming from, you know, concerts. Right. Going to him. Organs. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially the organ. He's still to this day, like, he's like, look. So, um, so in church when we were sitting in in my church right someone had quoted out of doctrine and covenants but they quoted doctrine and covenants quoting first corinthians the big famous love chapter yeah. right parody yes and instantly i was thinking like oh this is such an amazing talk surely my husband's feeling the spirit and my husband was like plagiarism because he didn't uh, understand they didn't clarify that the, that they were quoting Corinthians, and oh, he was like, "That's straight from Corinthians." So he got so mad. He said, "I'm never going to church again." And he stopped going <gasps> for what was it, 13 years? Oh my goodness! Yeah, and that was a huge like I can't even tell you how how much that destroyed me more than anything else. And you know, we of course marriage is hard, regardless of if you're sharing the same faith or not. Yeah, um, but especially but very especially, difficult. Yeah. yeah, and and it's always been such a huge part of my life. Like my my family wasn't active growing up, and so I would get rides from friends to go to church and stuff, and I would go by myself at like five and six years old, and and so it's always been such a huge part of who I am that I I felt during my marriage that like my husband doesn't he doesn't even get to see the best parts of me. He doesn't. See yeah. The singing in the choir or serving in church or giving talks, you know, he doesn't get to see how our kids are and, and, and things like he didn't understand what baby blessings were. So he didn't give permission to have my, my babies get blessed when they were younger, you know, he was okay when they turned eight, if they chose to be baptized, but it really had to be their choice. And so it was so hard. And we had gotten to the point where all of this stuff welled up and and it it just it was too much i'd been going to the temple i'd been praying about it i've been getting blessings and i was like you know what like divorce is going to be hard and marriage is going to be hard and i just have to decide which hard i want to do and my decision was divorce so we had decided in late september of 2018 that we were going to get divorced and we were both done we were both like we just couldn't communicate and there were so many it was more than just church it was everything yeah and so we had decided that we were going to be done the next morning 
I, I got up and I went to church with the kids. So it was Sunday morning. And when he woke up, the house was quiet. We were all gone. And he had this moment where he audibly heard someone say to him, what are you doing? And he knew that Heavenly Father was not happy with his choices. Oh, wow. And so he had this really powerful moment where he he went up to the mountains. That's kind of his thing. He took his gun and his Bible, <laughs> very American. He went up to the mountains in, in Ogden and he sat with God and he just had this this moment of reflection and he was reading through scriptures and he read across, you know, all these things about how like divorce wasn't even a thing. It was yeah. just something that was given to us because of the hardness of the hearts of men. And, and so he kind of started having this moment where he's like, I need to figure out where I am with my heavenly father. Yeah. And that was, that was something that I, I had always really like pushed for him. I'm like, if you can just figure out what heavenly father wants you to do, I feel like we'll have such a better marriage. Like we don't have to figure out our crap. Right. You figure out yours with him and I'll figure out mine with him. And then together, I've always heard of like the triangle. Yeah. You know, we have the husband and the wife on the bottoms of the triangle. And the more they work towards God, the more they'll grow together. Yep. And so I had heard that, but it was just such a hard thing for him, you know, and, and having been in Ogden, there's not, I mean, it's so flooded with like the, the LDS faith. Yeah, that he had a hard time finding a church where he felt connected to, you know? Yep. So anyway, he, (laughs) without me knowing, he started reading the Book of Mormon. And it was funny because he and my brother were really good friends. They were really close and stuff like that. And my brother was kind of like my husband's confidant. And so he had called my brother and, you know, through the years I had asked my husband to take missionary discussions or read the Book of Mormon. He never wanted to do it, right? Oh. And and so he has this conversation with my brother, who my brother had his own converting experience because he didn't really grow up active in the church. You know, he had to find it himself too. And so my husband was like, you know, Zach, he's like, what, like, what was the turning point for you? Like, like, how did you really know, you know, that your church was true and stuff? Yeah. And my brother's like, well, he's like, I read the Book of Mormon and everyone had told John, just read the Book of Mormon. Just yep. read the Book of Mormon. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't pick it up. And, and so when my brother told him that he, he explained to him, he's like, look, it's just a record of, of people that started off in Jerusalem and traveled over to America. Yeah. He simplified it so much, you know? Yep. yep. He's like, it's just a record of a family that came over to America and like what happened when they got here. And he's like, but dude, like, if you want to know the church is true, you have to read the book of Mormon. You just have to. And, and then he said to him, he said, at this point, my sister's already wanting to leave. You're already going to lose your family. So what else do you have to lose? True. And it was it was kind of a, like a moment where he was like, okay. So again, I didn't know any of this was happening. He talked to my brother on his own. He started reading the Book of Mormon on his own. And he called me one day. I was coming out of the gym and he called me and he um, he had asked me like a couple weeks earlier. He's like, you know, I, I really feel like I need to get right with God. Can you, Can we just postpone the divorce so that I can figure this out? And I was like, okay, that's fine. But I still thought that'll be good. Then we'll have a better divorce. That's where my mindset was at. Yeah. Right? You know, like he's going to get himself right with God. I completely just ne- didn't even consider the fact that he would ever think about joining the church. I just thought he'll find his own, you know, Baptist or non-denominational church. Right. He'll he'll have the spirit with him as much as he can. And it'll just make for a better divorce. And then I can I can rest easy knowing that my kids will be okay. Oh, when they're, my goodness. That's kind of where I was at, right? 
So anyway, he called me and he said, I need the missionary's number. And I was like, what for? And he's like, I need to set up those talk thingies. And I remember like looking at my phone. <laughs> I'm all sweaty and I'm just like. The talk? The discussion? The discussions? Yeah. yeah. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, why do you want to set up the discussions with them? Like I was almost like. Upset. For who? Yeah. Like, right. Why? What are you talking and about? He's, he's like, well. And he gets real quiet and he goes, so I've been reading the Book of Mormon and I know it's true. Oh, my goodness. And I was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking? So then it comes out. He's talked to my brother. He's been reading the Book of Mormon. He got to Second Nephi and he knew it was true. He didn't even have to finish it. He just he just got through First Nephi and started in Second Nephi and he knew it was true. And I was like, 13 years. <laughs> yes. That's this 13 years ago. Oh, so, but it was really weird because as ha as happy as I was, and he ended up having the best set of missionaries. We actually he tells his story on our podcast and tells of more of the miracles and the things that happened. But yeah, he ended up having the best set of missionaries for him, and they they set up baptism, and he knew that he wanted my brother to be the one to baptize him. And my my brother had just moved about four hours away from us in in Elko, Nevada. And so my husband had this really powerful feeling. He was like, I, I have to get baptized. Like, like, we can't wait. Like, it needs to happen. Like, right away, Zach, like, when can you get here? And so my brother was like, well, let's do it December 18th. Or sorry, December 8th. Let's do it December 8th. And so we're like, okay. So we set it up. My husband gets baptized. I'm still having all of these issues and feelings. Like, how am I supposed to divorce him now? Yeah, for it, sure. Because it didn't fix our marriage. It was a great right. thing that happened, but I was right. still like, we have so much. Right. So I was like happy, but I was like, what? I was so confused at this point. So he gets baptized sure. on December 8th. And then exactly a month later on January 8th, my brother was killed in a car accident. Oh my goodness, Alicia. Yeah. So, so it just set off this whole whirlwind of events. He, like I said, he had just moved to Elko, Nevada with his wife and their five kids and their kids were all under the age of 16. And yeah. so my husband and I were like, okay, we're, we're going to move to Elko, Nevada. We're going to be with them. And so we, you know, went through a whole process and switched jobs and put our house up for sale and came over to Elko. And the week that we got here, my sister-in-law couldn't she just couldn't be here anymore. And so she left and went back to Florida with the kids. So I'd lost my brother. No. Did she know? <laughs> she knew. She did. And she had she had even told us she wasn't sure if she was going to stay, but we had already like everything was already in motion. And we and I thought, well, even if she just, you know, even if they just moved during the summertime, I didn't think it would be so quick. I thought even if yeah. they move during the summertime, we can help them get through these next couple months. Right. We'll just adjust. It'll be okay. But yeah. it didn't it didn't end up that way at all. And she ended up going to Florida. We didn't even get a chance to say goodbye to the kids or anything like that. And oh my it was it was really it was really hard. And there were so many layers of grief. You know, oh. there were so many layers of grief from yeah. losing my brother to not knowing what was happening with my marriage to losing my sister in law who had you know, I had considered her like one of my best friends, losing all my nieces and nephews. And then we're in Elko, Nevada, where there's no family anywhere close to us at all. Like yes. all of our family is on the other coast. And, right. And then our house wasn't selling as quickly. So we were living in an RV with three kids and three cats. 
goodness. That was awful. You know, and I'm at this point, I'm still on my chemo. So I just didn't feel good ever. And I had this, this moment when I was traveling from Ogden back to Elko, you know, we had buttoned up the house and it was kind of like our last trip back, you know, where I had to stop at the salt flats and I let my kids get out and they were running around. And I had been living in this frame of like how everything should be. Yeah. You know, what I should be doing and how other people should be grieving and what should have happened and why my brother should still be here and why we shouldn't be in Elko. And it was just berating me at every turn. I was in the world and not of it, but in a totally different sense than what we're taught to be. Well, I'm right? so overwhelmed by everything. It like, was like one of those things is hard. All of them at once mm-hmm. is like, it's like a wave that just keeps crashing over you. Like you can't even stand up. Yeah. And it, and, and it felt that way. It felt like I was being attacked from every angle. And I know I was like, I know looking back that Satan was just having a heyday with me. And so we get out at the salt flats and my kids are running around and I had this really powerful feeling come to me that I needed to stop and just pay attention to the life that is not the life that should have been, not the life that's supposed to be, but the life that is right here and now mm-hmm. that my I felt as though my brother was telling me, I don't get that anymore. I don't get to have these little moments. So pay attention for me. Oh, and it was so powerful. And it was like the first little glimpse of peace that I had had in months since my brother's passing. And and I remember, you know, like I, I really did look and I started paying attention. My kids were playing. There was like calf deep water you know where the salt flats were and and so they were splashing and every time they splashed and the water started to dry it would leave this this white salt all over their legs and i i remember like how hard it was like the salt crystals were very hard in the water they did not feel like sand <laughs> they yeah. put your shoes back on and yeah the wind was like warm when it came across my face and the sun was warm on my back and you know just listening to my kids laugh knowing that like we were just fighting in the van (laughs) right like hearing their laughter I just had this like sense of gratitude and peace like I can let peace exist with my pain yeah and it's okay I can still feel and acknowledge that pain and those things that just don't feel right but there's a lot that that is here that is right that is beautiful and and you know I ended up going home that night and I had this dream where this book came up out of the salt flats and I knew Heavenly Father wanted me to write a book and he just gave me a bunch of information. In fact, he wants me to write five books in a series. My goodness. I I am in revision for my first book now. I've just pushed it to some publishers and wow, pushing it to a few more publishers over the next couple months. And so my first book is called Salted. And it just kind of ties into the whole like all like salt is such a huge symbol in the scriptures. Yeah, it's preserve. It's used to sweeten. We are used. It, we're supposed to be the salt of the earth. Yeah, you know. And and I think that those really bad, ugly experiences that I've had through my life, the grief that I've gone through, the trauma, the trials, all of that has been used to salt me. When you think about, you know, pouring salt on a wound, like it hurts, right? But it's yes, it's purify. It, it, yes, I and love that. And so. So I have this book salted that's, you know, coming out. <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there. It's coming out 2023. Like I love it. Doing it, whether yeah, I there. call it in or I get a publisher, like it's going to be out there. And 11 months after my brother's death, I went to the temple 
and was sealed to my brother and my parents who had not been able to be sealed together. They hadn't even been to the temple in almost 40 years. They joined the church and never made it to the temple until so much later. Uh, So my parents and myself went through the sealing room as a family with my brother. And then a week later, I was sealed to my husband and my kids. Oh my goodness, Elise. Yeah. So now now, not everything's perfect. (laughs) You know, you don't all of a sudden just have a happily ever after. There's still work to be done. Yeah. Like we we still have to figure ourselves out and our marriage out and we still have our arguments, but it's a it's a totally different way of fighting now. (laughs) I guess you could say, right? Like we fight nicer than we ever did before. And right. Therefore, you have no else for keeps. Yeah, it feels like there's more hope now, yeah, which is really great. And just to think about all of the things that have happened, I I really know that our Heavenly Father is so aware of us. You know, I know so deeply that the most important relationship we can build in this life is the one with our Savior. Yeah. And in order to build a relationship with someone, you have to know who they are. Ooh, you know? Point. You really do. And so our our Savior he's been an open book, right? He really has. Like his life has been documented. He's always there for us and and with us. And I know that um, stories really can change lives, you know? And so that's one of the reasons why I wrote Salted. It's also one of the reasons why we've started this podcast, Latterday Lights. I'm sure it's why you've started doing good, you know, is because there's just, so much strength in sharing a story, especially one yes. that is connected to the Savior, especially uh, 100%. that. I could not agree with you more, and and it is why I love doing this podcast. I, I love talking with people like you and learning about their story and what makes you strong and and. And, and it's life is not perfect and, and it is hard. A lot of it is hard. I love President Hinckley where he's like, it's like a train ride. Like it, it, <laughs> there's lots of bumps and, it, and, and smoke and it gets shut down and there's problems. And then there's like beautiful vistas and, and thrilling, you know, bursts of speed. And the point is to enjoy the ride. And it's not, it, it's not to look at life with drudgery, but just not to expect things to be perfect that that it's mm-hmm. through the trials and and through all of the difficult things that happen to us whether through our own decisions or someone else's that that bring us closer to the savior which is the whole point in this life is being purified exactly. like you said being salted and yeah. being brought closer to the savior so we can return to live with him again that he can work all things together for our good and i am absolutely so grateful that You've taken the time to come on doing good today and and for sharing your story with us. And I can't wait for Salted. And tell tell us where people can listen to your podcast and a little bit about what you talk about on Latter-day Lights. Sure. So we're everywhere. <laughs> we're all over the place, right? We're like Big Brother. No, we we are on Facebook. It. We do have an Instagram that I very poorly manage. I I don't know if it's my age. I just, it's very hard for me to get behind Instagram, but we're yes. on, we go through, you know, Spotify and Amazon and Audible and just all like every platform that you can think awesome. of. We're on there, Pandora. So you can, you can find us anywhere. It's ladder with a hyphen day lights. So it's like, okay, perfect. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and our whole thing is just sharing stories from members of the church. 
that instill faith, invite growth, and inspire others to do the same. So our whole thing is we just we just want to hear from members of the church who have had a personal experience that has grown their testimony in some way. And we're always looking for guests. So I'll just put a little shout out there. If you guys have a story that you want to share, you can go to latterdaylights.com and let us know, or you can find us on Facebook and you can let us know that way. But yeah, we just we just kind of want to share stories of truth and light and and hope and that's all we do. <laughs> I love it. That's all you do. It's a big thing that you do. And I I think that is so great that there because we do. We need more light in this world. We do. And so, I'm I'm grateful that you are participating in bringing more light to others. And thank you again for talking with me today, Alicia, and for all the good you're doing. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. Carmen Herbert, and I'm so excited to tell you about an amazing app that my whole family loves. It's called Our Turtle House, and it's full of literally thousands of hours of full-length talks, just like the old talk on CDs or talk on tapes, from some of your favorite Latter-day Saint speakers like John By the Way, Mick Johnson, Hank Smith, me, and a ton more. Plus, there's podcasts, firesides, devotionals, come follow me resources, and entertaining content your whole whole family will enjoy truly all in one little app and you can use promo code doing good all one word at checkout and you get a full month free so check it out and sign up at ourturtlehouse.com see you soon